one of the things that we have been talking about right uh, we work with a lot of organizations uh, we've seen a lot of organizations in our career uh, we yes. work with startups also other people's and ours um, so uh, one of the things that uh, i always was fascinated with is organizations getting in way of themselves right and uh, that unfortunately or fortunately creates a lot of opportunities for consultants but uh, lately i've been thinking of uh, is uh, tech coming in way of tech uh, what i mean is sometime you heard about that uh, the rise of bullshit jobs right sometimes i feel that even in tech i think um, uh, uh, we we have created these um, ways of doing things uh that i think are uh, stopping tech from really exploding right i'll give you an example uh, i i was talking to a business leader a uh, few weeks back or something right and uh, not few weeks back this was actually few months back last year and um, there was a discussion going on in team this react angular <laughs> right and uh, what he told me is sometimes i feel like you guys you know just uh, you know you take is just create job for yourself first you do this avinaya library uh, we have to do this and i feel those are the places where you know we really come in way and i think the way the software is being developed programs and everything is uh, coming in way of how technology really can manifest itself so i thought we'll discuss this and sure. uh, let's see where it goes absolutely uh, and then uh, i think the comment you made about the technology getting in uh, its own ways uh, i think it is a little harsh in terms of uh, the manifestation is definitely one way to look at it is okay we are creating jobs for ourselves but the second thing is we we do not have a definite way to say some technology has advanced enough so that we need to make a shift so most of the time it is so blurred line between transition of technology that you are fighting for those small incremental gains example would be is between react and angular 99% of the choices are made by does your team has skills about that or does your tech lead actually knows that react? is an example of tech coming in way of tech <laughs> absolutely the reason being is if i am not comfortable and we debated about this so one of my uh, startup was actually on php and at that time i was coming from a company which was uh, very heavily advocating at the time ruby on rails and we have delivered so many projects on ruby mm. on rails the product was getting matured i had expertise in it mm. and i was the first technical founding member uh, but we already had contracted out product development to a company and they chose to do PHP. they were a php shop they were a php shop yeah. now i was inheriting a code base it was not much 6 months in development so i debated with our founders that why shouldn't i just scrap everything what we did and go with ruby on rails from scratch and mm. i bet them that 
whatever we have built on php in 6 months i can do it in 2 months if you give me a chance hmm. but they were already towards the bottom end of their uh, seed funding and they were saying this will actually delay our uh, mvp release to the product uh, of the product and uh, the market it's it's a we have already spoken to people they have agreed so if this release goes in we will change our technology yeah. now the flip side is we never change technology until we sold the company yeah we never rewrote the product point is um the tech tech choices are mostly people dependent mm. sometimes some tech uh, com, uh, tech groups want to try the new shiny thing mm. and there is hardly somebody can do anything about that unless you have this uh, a central mandate which talks about java uh, 1.8 or nothing or yet another opinionated founder or cxo who is like no yeah but it is always better than uh, a team signing up for new risky technology than somebody uh, forcing a safe choice because people will actually make mistakes in any technology yeah. and i have seen bad code in every language so uh, if somebody says that we should switch to a new technology because it it will reduce number of errors i think they are selling snake oil run away from in that technology as fast as you can there is no such technology the uh, you know uh, it's a little bit of digression but uh, when you said you know uh, the code uh, we never rewrote the code uh, you know so i i always so th- there is one tech analogy that a code once written goes into production never dies right yeah. the whole y2k was a big um, opportunity because is and it, we haven't learned anything because, but actually what we have learned is the fact that things will not go away and this you know is not just a tech thing i tell uh, like uh, being like in product management um, a lot of people you know uh, I, i early in their careers i have so i tell everyone this okay let me write something i'll send out an email and later i will edit it or i'll do a better version tomorrow or i'll do a cleaner version tomorrow this is unedited this is crude i'll do it later but i remind them is that you know the first time you do something do it in a way that it's gone it has left your uh, inbox means now it represents you it is official right you will never get an opportunity uh, to go back and do it properly so do things properly think about it do it the first time otherwise uh, you know it's double the work and somewhere i feel that um, you know sometimes startups push this abhi let's do something let's get it out of the way which i think is a good decision because of some other reasons not let's do it this way we'll do it properly later that is like you know uh, living in a dream world you'll never write it once it goes into product is gone but the reason behind it if it is that you know i need to get value out so i can get something i can test i i like that but if someone is doing that thinking that tomorrow they will do something but it is never going to happen and you know at some point if your startup is successful some cto down the line will abuse a that time they did this you know now it is this legacy code and then you know legacy transformation will become one uh, big uh, project and uh, you know there are books written on legacy transformation it's a whole industry in itself but yeah dinkar you you bring up a very valid point and we went through the same journey twitter went through the same journey what you just spoke yeah. they initially they wrote twitter 
on uh, a certain tech stack, they rewrote it completely because it was not scaling and they kept struggling. I don't know whether they did like three or four rewrites of Twitter platform until they moved to the current incarnation, which is completely evolving now. Uh, but what, what's, what's your take? I mean, as a product manager, do you go to market fast to test your hypothesis or do you actually build a perfect technical solution? Obviously, no one wants to build a perfect technical solution, right? So my, my worry is this is a very binary thing, right? Either you do this or you do that. No, I mean like, okay, let me let me actually rephrase it because I, I uh, am a techie. Now, if, if you are holding the product manager end of the spectrum and I'm holding the tech uh, uh, end of the spectrum, this must be the case almost in every startup. Yeah. That there is a tech uh, co-founder and there is a product co-founder. Yeah. And now, uh, what is the what is the right method? I know that there is no perfect answer, and either extremes are bad. We know three places are bad. Yeah. So, how uh, rather than saying it depends, what is what what is? Uh, I, I wanted to say it depends, but I'll tell you what it depends on, right? So, who is your user? So, for example, if you are a startup and you are creating something for a bank, right? That means, first of all, you even if it is a simple, uh, it, it, let's say it's a banking application, um, a person comes to the office, logs in, and clicks this application, but tells them good morning. That is it. That's all this application does. If you want to put it into a bank, imagine the type of um, certifications, uh, analysis that will happen right before it reaches, right? So that means in, in that scenario, uh, you know, that definition of let me test something totally takes a different meaning, right? Now, if you're producing something, for example, my startup guru, it was like for some application, the end user were kids. So you have to think about privacy, COPA laws and all that. So even if you just put this application, you click on it, it says, good morning. You have to think of thousand of things pr properly before you put it out like that, right? But if, you know, but if your uh, startup is somewhere where, you know, you could start with an Excel sheet as the, as a tech solution, because there is workflows involved, there are people involved and the low, lowest in that scenario, you go with that. So what is the definition actually differs, right? But within your domain, within your industry, what is that minimum you first get to that, right? So for in that, the perfection that I'm talking about, uh, Sachin, is not in um, um, in the completeness sense, right? The I, I'm a big fan of sufficient over complete, right? The perfection is on that sufficiency level, that whatever is the sufficient you need to do it, do that properly. No, don't leave any things there. That is what I'm. Uh, I was hinting at. I don't know if that uh, addressed the thought you had in your mind. Right. I mean, uh, let's let's peel it off a little bit, right? See, in heavily regulated environments, your point is absolutely valid because, uh, as you mentioned, uh, uh, the child-oriented uh, software. I worked in education. It is regulated. There is FERPA uh, compliance. Yeah. I worked in health tech. In health tech. Uh, PII, PHA, uh, 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 health information, PHI, that is heavily protected. And even to get uh, the product deployed into a cloud, you require different sorts of agreements with even cloud providers. 
exactly. even be able to use and store data. Properly. And if you're crossing borders, then it's a next level of uh, data uh, management. Yeah. Absolutely. So there is no dearth of roadblocks for you to go to, go to production. And also, uh, uh, this is the reason why these industries and these sectors are so difficult to innovate in. The cost of the barrier of entry is so high, the cost of entry is so high that, that most... And, and that is where this whole thing comes up. That, uh, and I feel a large part of that is tech coming in way of the tech. I think the way software is being built uh, today is being built with the idea that software is a consequence of programming. I feel that software should no longer be consequence of. So for example, right? Hello world application of a bank should have all these regulation things and all that just baked in, right? Some consortium of banks, some organizations who work with banks a lot, create custom software, create, create products, right? They should have like, you know, I, uh, I, uh, I mean, uh, when I used to <laughs> write code in Visual Studio and all that, right? You could actually down. You could actually start with the whole everything, right? They they were trying to do that and go immediately start writing because so much a bunk, bunch of code used to come, right? Those were the fourth generation Delphi and all those things, right? And that was the whole idea of that. And I I, I think that uh, and Sajnath, I want you to uh, revisit the discussion we had on building block of software has to change, and. In that context, I feel that um, uh, the building block of uh, banking software should change so that this whole idea, right? Uh, innovation should happen at the pace of software, at the pace of thought, because all these things today we consider as a burden or a drag should be given, uh, right? It should be like a library that you include and it took care of everything. So, um, um, yeah, I'm, now I'm leading you I, because I want you to talk about it and we couldn't finish the discussion last time. Uh, with uh, with the Amazon's new offering, how do you see that changing? Yeah, it's, it's not a new, but there is a trend of similar offerings happening from Amazon, right? Is uh, if you see 10, 15 years ago, uh, 15 years ago, I have not seen cloud. Only cloud which I have seen is something like uh, virtual private servers in the cloud, like in some data center, right? At that time, cloud was not the most popular term. But then when AWS came in, they started calling it cloud very... Was, was Amazon the first one to use? I wonder what, where did the term cloud first start? Who used it first? Do you know? I don't know. The cloud term, I don't know, but AWS did not call themselves cloud at that time. They used to call Amazon Web Services because they had provided certain infrastructure services which you could programmatically access and provision certain things in the uh, cloud. Now, now it's a bad name, right? Because they're doing much more than web services. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. the interface still is a web service. So for example, if you see their programmatic access to provision, like okay. how, how these provisioning tools communicate with AWS to provision that is still through web service. They are not... Um, uh, like going away from the way programmers access it. But what has changed is that they lean more towards enterprise offering. And now almost everything what you can do through provisioning is possible through some 
alternate ui workflow mm. um and that takes this to a whole next level mm. because now people are able to provision things upload things uh, experiment with these things without writing a lot of code earlier if you i mean like when it started all we used to have access to is ec2 server instances s3 for storing object and uh, vpc and IPs. yeah ses yeah. uh, so, uh, they uh, they had uh, their um, uh, elastic uh, messaging system right yeah so all these things if you see these were not a big in terms of like building blocks but today if you see aws pinpoint i mean like let me share my screen share the correct window yeah i will we are recording sure so if you see this uh, in this uh, if you see what we are uh, looking at is uh, this middle part earlier amazon used to say we provide you infrastructure as services they are yeah. iaas provider yeah but now the infrastructure is no more limited to only s3 bucket or redshift or ec2 or lambda they are providing full blown end to end solutions example is amazon pinpoint is a solution where you collect your data from these data stores do your segmentation do your uh, campaigns and journeys mapped into amazon pinpoint use their notification mechanisms to send notifications to their uh, users via email push notifications sms voice you name it and to even generate a voice it is now uh, completely automatic you can use amazon polly to generate a custom voice message mm -hmm. and then when you do all of this you can also try uh, uh, track uh, the engagement using uh, their analytics solution these this in one solution was earlier broken into five different building blocks such an a quick question about this so this uh, i don't know much about amazon pinpoint so does uh, uh, are these um, specific to pin like are, are these specific or are they calling out a, a business use case does audience manager does amazon pinpoint is a, sorry is amazon pinpoint a collection of these or these are some example of business that a pinpoint can implement this orange box is what amazon pinpoint provides okay so today they are focused on this business use case yes but Now, what they have done is that i mean all the startups who were working on engagement data channel transaction message they're all they they're going after them yes because this there would be a company which will just do two portion of it i know uh, so if you have seen mailgun they said we do transactions constant contact similarly right now they used to do transactional messages plus uh, engagement data and how they used to do engagement data whether the email is opened or not hmm. now they are not limited to that they are saying we will collect all your data we will do the segmentation earlier segmentation used to be a different uh, service yeah. then the different product lines even from startup yes. large enterprises around audience management correct and then the campaigns and journeys how you want to do it uh, basically uh, sending different customers on to different journeys uh, these all used to be highly sophisticated pieces of software yeah 
and then them? gone i mean that is exactly what is happening if you see uh, uh, so, yeah so now software is not software is not getting in way of technology right so yes. what they have essentially done is they commoditize this and made it available as a service so it's your banking all the regulation everything commoditized as a service go correct so uh, and we will come back to that uh, what you just said we'll come back to that about hmm. how they are doing banking but what software industry is looking at is what are the horizontals across industry so every direct to consumer application whether it is retail whether it is pharmaceutical education or you name it they have this a complete layer of customer engagement and their engagement related activities whether it could be marketing whether it could be newsletter whether it could be notification and that entire thing can be driven now using amazon pinpoint hmm. and the amazon pinpoints for amazon or aws becomes a vertical that way hmm. so if you see they are taking all these common use cases and making it enough configurable so that anybody can adopt it by just writing glue on top of it, which is specific to them so if you see customer and usage data send your first and third party data to amazon pinpoint they are saying we will provide you the funnel and access how to push your data into amazon pinpoint and rest all of and, it and that data itself is coming from amazon s3 ec2s yes so it's staying within the ecosystem staying within the ecosystem and i'm sure while we are talking about amazon i think at some point this is interchangeable i'm sure i don't know if gcp has exactly the same thing but i'm sure they're going in this direction they're also coming with these business as a primitive you know business uh, what do you call not business but a business workflow as a primitive uh, as a service correct but th this has been happening anywhere dinkar where there were uh, solid ecosystems if you see i i remember there were few features which were actually available as paid software but apple just said i'll integrate that within my system itself and suddenly those companies and businesses were killed example is if you remember there was this uh, uh, i remember uh, sachin uh, i remember when uh, uh, they announced icloud there was a tweet by dropbox ceo oh shit <laughs> yes because what happens is that uh, these uh, these companies are actually providing these more sophisticated solutions uh, at either fractional cost or no cost at all i mean uh, and that is something which is scary um, i know there was a flux app which used to uh, depending upon which time zone you are in what is your local time it used to change that color temperature of your display so that Uh, the blue is uh, uh, removed but then that became a standard feature in ios and uh, mac and yeah. suddenly nobody needed uh, to buy that mac you can say keep it blue all the time right? <laughs> effectively yeah exactly. night shift all time yeah. yes and then suddenly that flux app was no more required by me when uh, uh, people used to actually get text editors different kind of text editors uh suddenly the rich text edit i mean uh, with windows 10 it became much superior so people's need to actually get a more rich editor just became obsolete because wordpad is good enough for 
majority of population I, on mac i'm happy with bb edit right but bb edit is a paid software yeah i mean at least 30 days are free <laughs> first 30 yes. days yeah. but so, it's a paid software yeah. yeah right so so that's the whole point which which is like coming down to is whenever there is a tighter ecosystem and that's what my worry is if you go to a cloud and you start actually getting into their systems the vendor lock in is real thing because now you are within the ecosystem and the cost of change is going to be extremely high when you go to this higher level of software mm. as long as you are at a primitive level these are interoperable due to technologies made possible by kubernetes containers but if you start using apis which are now these specific ones uh, uh, if you are not uh, thinking about this ahead of time there is a serious lock in possible with this i sometimes think um, uh, this certainly uh, for so uh, i have worked with some banks uh, right in uh, in capacity of as a consultant uh, right so and uh, i know if i go to some folks with this idea right the first question i'll you know banks should do it but or maybe my question is ultimately who should do it like we can't leave everything with uh, cloud providers right um now if you look at the whole uh, stack uh, of organizations right there are these um, technology providers there are these um, custom software providers there are these integrators uh, there are these uh, you know run run the for 10 years kind of and then there are the actual customers who are using this stack to conduct business right uh, who should you i i would hate that if everything uh, is like amazon is the only one who's creating these um uh, you know these um, business process as um uh, business process as a service kind of thing i mean cloud so much of concentration should not happen at cloud but then second question that obviously will be asked is like then who should do it in this uh, stack right and i don't have an answer i mean i know some banks have created some interesting products they have open sourced it but again their whole reason behind that was something else larger good with the community and all that but i'm do you do you have a thought like or let market forces this i think uh, anytime anything becomes too commoditized right yeah then the uh, there is no uniqueness and businesses which we want to uh, create uniqueness they would uh, stay away from commodity the as far as it is utilitarian they would go with it example would be is let's say uh, i have a certain way to manage my customer journey through amazon pinpoint and since we are talking about amazon pinpoint it is not such a great product that i need to say okay let's focus on this mm-hmm. um, but if there are certain features available in aws pinpoint and mm-hmm. all the major retail chains have started using the same product yeah. then everybody will have same tool set to mm-hmm. work with their customers and their journey mm-hmm. and whenever that happens typically somebody will say this is not good enough for me mm-hmm. i would like to engage with my customer in a different way and that could spawn next set of features and that is where uh, a really solid understanding about what you want to achieve as a differentiation comes into picture example was all the banks pretty much stayed on the same uh, software features for internet based banking mm. 
And then suddenly these new entrants were saying, we are not doing anything different. What's the difference? In fact, the only difference between bank A, bank B and bank C became is that I like these banks, uh, uh, th these banks because maybe they had a couple of more better features. I had earlier credit card or my salary account was moved into this bank. Nobody so used to times you have a bank account because that's your salary account, especially in India. Correct. In, you know, in US also, once you have it, you kind of, it's the inertia that uh, retains customer more than anything else. But we never saw banking as a differentiator. But mm. when suddenly these new entrants came in and they said, they just destroyed this status quo. They yeah. challenged it completely. And then that drove a new fintech boom. Yeah. And earlier, all fintech uh, uh, was actually resolved around how we can provide a little more value-added service to the customers so that we can charge more premium to them. So I'll give you an example. So um, you remember I had gone to JNK. So uh, so we decided uh, to my native, um, we'll take my dad's car. It didn't have that um, tag. Fast tag. Fast tag. So um, as soon as you leave Jammu, there are a couple of places where you have to pay. So what they have done is just before that, there is one uh, fellow sitting on the bike. They put this and all that. And he's selling fast tag. And uh, he was from IDFC bank. Hmm. Right. So I told my dad, wherever you see, stop, we'll get it. So he stopped and he said, I've never heard of this bank. Hmm. Right. So uh, because typically bank was branch, you know, there is like manager or something, Sergi and all that, right? Suddenly, uh, not just these new entrants, but I think news use cases are also facing. Now this fellow is sitting there. He like Sarji though, he did, did everything and all that. My father is not that uh, tech savvy. He's more of, you know, he's a doctor. He can save lives better than he can uh, probably dial my number, right? So he was so happy, like take everything that he did, everything sticker on and we moved, right? And um, and he had never heard of this bank before. So in on a highway in JNK, he encounters this bank as a kiosk of a person who's probably that guy's, obviously that guy's not even an employee. He's like some agency's agency, something sitting there. So I think these new cases, not just new entrants, I think in a lot of consulting and a lot of uh, articles and, a lot of the journal people talk about uh, the neo entrants, you know, neo banks, their challenge. I think more than that, it's the new use cases that are erupting that are challenging the banks. Yeah, I so think you, you like made that. a very good point, right? Is earlier, bank was a very high friction business. Hmm. I met one person uh, who used to run in, uh, not run, but he was uh, uh, working in an NGO and they used to uh, do micro loans. Hmm. These micro loans were like 1,000, 1,500 rupees. I don't know whether you heard about them, right? Hmm. This is a very uh, big uh, thing in India. Yeah. So, uh, and then he told... Couple of, our, India, couple of our colleagues have come from that, those kind of... Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, uh, this, uh, the most shocking statistics he told me, and this is be before this uh, Jandhan Yojana, okay? So prior to Jandhan Yojana, uh, nobody was forced to go and open a bank account. Yeah. India had less than 10% population having one bank account. At yeah. least one. Yeah. So for such a large country, having such a low banking penetration was a disaster. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, and and the reason was that these banks used to uh, like shoo away people who want to open account in rural area. I think it was capacity issue also, right? They were so uh, so uh, the process was so complicated. Holding an account was so complicated. Is like uh, uh, maybe uh, not to defend, but I think like you know, okay, I have like three customers. Where do I focus, right? So I think right. a lot of that behavior was driven by capacity issue also. Right, and and that's why these archaic rules, right? Is you don't uh, operate your account for three months, I will charge you yeah, 140 exactly. rupees. Exactly. Yes. I mean, yeah. it was literally extortion. The yeah. the money is sitting there; it doesn't require maintenance. Yeah. But they will charge you 140 rupees, saying, uh, uh, "You are not operating your account. You should yeah. come and operate your account." <laughs> but when I come and operate, you don't want me to uh, like bother you because every time you provide service to me, it's a bother to you, right? Yeah. But I think you you are going back to your point of use cases. I think. That is the real reason. Yeah. And suddenly, it's like all the stars were aligning properly. Mm-hmm. India actually went through demonetization. We had to open a lot of bank accounts. Yeah. And when we opened a lot of bank accounts, a lot of wallets were opened. Yeah. And uh, these wallets, and luckily, uh, uh, I think uh, Raghuram Rajan, uh, when he was governor, he started this... Um, wallet-based banking, I mean, like this, uh, uh, the circular and the operationalization of that. And I don't know whether he was just uh, cutting the ribbon or he was the, uh, I, like bringing this idea into India, right? But all this innovation, which happened prior to that, linking yeah. phone number to bank accounts, yeah. then using these mobile wallets, which are linked to your phone numbers, suddenly phone number became more important than other. Yeah. And now, what you just said makes so much sense is that UPI destroyed Paytm. But that UPI opened so much business. I mean, uh, the best example which came to my mind is banks were sitting on a piece of data Dinkar for almost 50 years. They never made anything out of it. Yeah, you know how they didn't have that creativity or there was no use case to do something with it. Correct. And suddenly now, uh, and uh, these new entrants also expanded the user base. Yeah. They literally multiplied it. Yeah. Now we have more than 35, 40 crore bank account yeah. and wallets are just insane. Yeah. The bank accounts itself were now four to five folds and the wallets are more than that. So I think what you just said makes total sense is use cases will drive the innovation and they will push the limit. But uh, Dinkar, do you also see that it will be winner takes all? See, uh, I uh, uh, let's take uh, more than looking. You know, uh, Morpheus in Matrix says, "I know this not because of what lies ahead, but I know what has happened in the past." Right. So channel Morpheus, right? If you look at it, I I, I don't see in financial. So how many winner takes all hasn't really happened that much. Because the moment someone becomes a big winner, right, there, there is a disruption. There are these startups, they nibble, 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 and they break, right? Imagine in India, State Bank of India, right? In spite of State Bank of India, right? At one time, State Bank of India was in every corner, right? Every city, because it was mandated by government. So 
when I used to travel in JNK, like rural Pahadi, go to any mountain area where there will be a small SBI branch there, right? Mm -hmm. That's how that that was, you know, winner takes it all. They were basically, you are the winner, right? No one is else there, right? So now, you know, there this SBI card, they'll be standing outside malls. So do you want a card? Right. So somewhere, uh, if you look at it, um, I, I don't believe winner takes it all. Um, is a genuine fear is, is something to worry about something to protect against, but doesn't happen because there's so many forces which break, um, you know, but I think that that's a digression. So coming back to the, uh, the use case is driving a lot of innovation coming back to, uh, and then stepping up like retracing the stack. So coming back to uh, business of a bank or any organization, commodity and differentiating, and the commodity workflows will end up with cloud and these some companies in the stack, but the bank will retain the things that they feel are different. And um, I, I, I don't know, honestly, in my guts today, I understand what the differentiation for banks would be, but I'm sure there are much smarter people in banks who probably know that. But, uh, you know, okay, now, now we walk back the stack. And so coming to that uh, diagram that you had of pain point, right, where we were saying that the business flow um, will become a primitive. And that could be one way where software is not coming in way of, coming in its own way of expanding. I think that will take care of a lot of these things. That means um, as a, when I started software development, I started learning with C and uh, letter C by Yashwan Karnataker was our, you know, and uh, pointers, uh, we had a PC, we create a TSR, it stays in the memory. Th those, th that was power programming, right? And today that programming has no sense, has no meaning. Today it has become something else. What do you think will happen to programming as a paradigm in this world where business flows are available as primitives will software become art of integration rather than art of creation i think uh derivative art <laughs> yeah i mean uh, if you see that has been always the case and i used to always uh, tell my friends and family although my degree is computer science and engineering we were actually application software programmers i have I never so i have so I'm more uh, true to reality than you are. Yes, you are. And I think that was the case. We never invented something. The, we never the, engineered the, software as such that much. Correct. So you needed to just take the building blocks provided by somebody and do it. Obviously, I could go and create, let's say, uh, um, a framework, hmm. which other people will be used. But I do not see a framework as engineering. What? I still believe is that the real science part of computer would be inventing new data structure or uh, creating a, a compiler which actually goes cross-platform. That, that requires a lot of like uh, primitive understanding about how things work or uh, what Jeff Dean uh, did once. Hmm. There is, I don't know whether it is true or not, but I have read it. Uh, so it must be true somewhere, right? Everything you read on internet is true, right? <laughs> so uh, once Jeptin actually wrote code uh, in C or assembly language, which used to compile square root faster than the uh, uh, assembly code, which directly calls on the CPU. 
because that whatever routine is uh, hard coded onto a cpu that is supposed to be the fastest right yeah. but jetin invented uh, an alternative uh, set of instructions if you execute them it yeah. used to calculate square root faster now that is pure science because you had yeah. extreme understanding about how things work and i can keep applying that knowledge that you need to understand fundamentals so example is what um, one of our colleague is doing right about distributed patterns yeah if you understand those patterns you can understand the scaling issues at large in cloud yeah and yeah. that is one way of looking at it but majority of software uh, developers including myself they focus on applied engineering we understand the problem and we make the solution from available building block mm. that is 90% of and uh, again somewhere i read on internet so it must be true uh, so somebody uh, said is 80% of all the software which humanity ever need is already written now it, it, this this is like a statement right which uh, uh, in ratatouille Uh, chef uh, uh, gusto mix right anybody can cook something like that is 80% of the software means the building blocks are there yeah, yeah now what you need to do is you need to just make sure that you are creating new use cases out of it or you are improvising on what you did or you are uh, creating something which is uh, very nuanced very specific to a purpose built application for example when you are building a car uh as and this this also you alluded at the beginning of our conversation is depends upon which domain you are trying to solve that will that, that will those constraints will be applied so if i'm building software for car probably it will be headless it will not have a console to work with and it has to operate all the time when the car is running it cannot sh- shut down and restart itself right so uh, the reliability becomes the most important factor so what i will have to do is use these building blocks but uh, focus mo- at most on to the reliability yeah. rather than focusing on more features yeah so sachin uh, 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 this reliability i want to spend some time on because i'm 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 really scared of this aspect right because now if you look at building block right uh, 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 give me some time to uh, express yeah. my uh, thought here so you seen that uh, movie get shot right uh, get shot i think right so on this cdo disaster right so two uh, you know uh, two people are i think playing some game so hey uh, 10 rupees or 10 dollars uh, i'll win this i'll win this someone bets on them oh uh, you know i'll bet on this person winning and then someone bets on this person this person and they, this kind of becomes a big chain so very derivative trading right on uh, uh, you know now what i fear is uh, these building blocks right so i'm using this building block as something using this because we are now in that phase right there are framework kyoper framework and framework something something and now it is expanding right so one minor flaw here has earlier one flaw in library affected the users of that library now one flaw in library affects like log 4j thing right Oh, yeah i was i was about to say that because yeah. unless you have been uh, living under a rock log 4j might have given a billion dollar worth of consulting business to organizations worldwide just go and replace update this library yeah and imagine uh, the amount of computing gone into it 
environment right one bug what was the so that is what also scares me about these primitives this and uh, there are more examples of like log4j specter vulnerability which was actually not fixable easily using software hmm. if you remember in the last 2 3 oh, years there were like bunch of vulnerability zero day vulnerabilities were detected hmm. in fundamental cpu instructions which are wow. <laughs> hardwired <laughs> yeah and then yeah. now these are uh, intel architecture couldn't change it unless they released new cpu yeah, yeah. and that that was it's it's like because those are those instructions which you build software on top of it right yeah yeah, yeah. and suddenly these fundamental instructions had a bug so somewhere when we are thinking of this like you know a business process as a primitive and we are thinking of all these we we use the word it should be reliant you know it, it's a very uh, agreed upon term agreed upon focus i i think um, what should also change in in our thinking and probably we need tools and uh, assets around this is um, uh, you know uh, other than just you know some tools Hey, uh, what do you do? I work in security tools, right? It, it's a very adjacent thing. It's not central. I think this has to change somewhere. Um, these reliability assessment has to become security assessment has to become a very serious consideration. Like you know, something as central as checking in code. It and I I I don't see I, I see DevSecOps happening. A lot of things happening. but i somehow feel that um, that is still happening in the world above i don't know what's happening here because i'm sorry to beat on log for you folks right because in their world they did something i'm sure they have devsecops they have lot of things right uh, but uh, they could not test or they couldn't imagine what will happen to their product in the wild where it has such these this you know network effect uh, you know, geometric square <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. progression uh, effect right I, that, that so along with these primitives then the way we uh, way we uh, certify something that yes this is a good that that, that has to become massively complicated I, i don't know how what that means what security world is thinking about that right and you are uh, you are actually coming to a point where what is the right thing i mean log4j was one single place where the vulnerability lied we could also patch it mm. and luckily it was a easy fix upgrade to the latest code and you were done with it yeah. but i can guarantee you dinkar there are millions of places where they could not just simply drop in latest log4j because the compatibility issues of the new version i think we are uh, uh, facing one situation where we are using some piece of software that is using something else yes and now this is beyond our control and they are saying no 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 it's okay they they like don't worry this is okay now but we are in you know yes now we are on the top of that building block and we are stuck yeah and and suddenly what is uh, happening is softwares which uh, log4j is not even going to become a problem those software also are asked to upgrade themselves sometimes yeah. the developers don't have access to the code as well exactly yeah 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 and then suddenly this is a problem now so 
this created a very big cascaded effect and this is something which can happen more and more if you start using this building block but luckily software as services prevents you from doing this like that's what i was thinking just because of this services aspect uh, now whatever is happening here can update amdert and all you care about is this interface and things coming to you through that and if they get hacked then god god save you right yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i know i can imagine sachin we 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 talked about this um uh, the stack and you talked i i mentioned db edit you mentioned one of the things um i uh, i have always been curious about and this is something that uh, after our initial discussion now i ask everyone uh, and i have asked you this uh, but uh, we had discussions on this but maybe today you can uh, put it together so um, you know the software we use in our daily lives out of your profession right what's your life stack like i mean uh, that that also uh, we can uh, spend dedicated time on that dinkar but in a brief i think uh, uh, more than ever since we are actually working from homes we are actually constantly trying to figure out thousand things earlier uh, if nobody could walk to your desk nobody could actually assign you a task yeah but now uh, i am uh, sitting as a, a electronic container on internet so people can actually direct messages at me smss at me phone calls at me emails just and we we just keep adopting new tools every day so and we are not just now working for the boss right our company we are working for the delivery person right so yeah. now like all kind of thing is and we have to respond to so many things uh, all happening online correct so and that limits your ability to uh, also manage your uh, life so what i think is uh, in if you want to survive in today's information overload world Yeah. Uh, or collaboration overload world task overload need, world task overload world you need to figure out that what is your life stack and in terms of like how you want to manage the number of threads which are open with you right now and also be able to attend to them and say no when it is required and that itself is a, a big thing and i would like to also uh, talk to you about um, what are the tips and tricks Uh, you are using in your life to manage your uh, async load basically right and the second thing is there are tons of tools and configurations available yeah. so what everyone needs to figure out is their method and yes. what method worked for me so far is that i use uh, getting things done method for task management so uh, i use things uh, software on my mac for it which is actually on ios as well so that is my single place of connect, collecting all the tasks but what i found very interesting about things is things is also compatible with other ecosystem product mm. so if you are using an email many times i receive an email um, where i am not the primary actor on the email but such and such a, i want not the professional not not the, because you yes i know you are wearing towards uh, your professional yeah. stack so your life stack but actually your point is that now the life stack and the professional stack has merged correct because uh, that that uh, you, you, that is you do this with your personal mails also now oh, why not i mean like uh, 
there is a, a there is a credit card payment due right yeah. and now uh, uh, i mean like recent and indian banks actually changed some rules from 1st of january oh, yeah, so yeah. you need to go and update everywhere you had a subscription right and uh, despite of making that change it just doesn't uh, sometimes go through yeah so you have to keep a check that okay let me get circle back to this after a week or so so uh, i and i found that as much as possible do not separate this from your professional just have one place because if you have three places you write your tasks there is guarantee that you will actually lose some you will get a lot of beating for this there, there is this whole i, I personally don't um, i'll come to that like separating work and uh, they say it life and i don't get it because for me with startups with this work is not something different than life it's part of my life yeah work and personal maybe but i don't know what this work life balance means it's like you know uh, you should have a body arm balance my arm is part of my body so anyway you'll get a lot of uh, you know uh, comments back from people who believe in that segregation but it works for you so great right uh, because uh, uh, if 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 there are certain number of tasks which i need to do i need to also see that i am i am not ignoring my personal task yeah because uh, we already isolate our machines right and yeah. when the work machine is dedicated and i am focusing on work machine i may not have the email account accessible to click on my to do to go to that email because the email account is not configured on my work machine yeah, yeah. but it is important that when i would like to go on my other machine i can also take a look at all the things which are coming my way in the next week yeah so that i can work around and uh, this is just i think convenience but if tomorrow you started separating these two se- sections uh, and luckily any any getting things done software will allow you to label dissect so you can actually in a in a click of a button see things which are related to personal and things which are not related to uh, personal life so i think it is possible um and some people also like i i, I do have uh, two three sections of my life right there is a personal which is like home and something there is financial there are hobby related things which i would like to do exactly. let's say i'm working on some side projects i'm uh, writing some articles or uh, studying something yeah. uh, that has certain tasks which are different and my work related things having all these things at least uh, one single pane of glass view of all the tasks everywhere helps me better plan for my uh, days and weeks but this is just part of task management and there is a knowledge management thing which we keep, uh, like i recently came to know about this zettelkasten which we will speak uh, uh, i think we are running away uh, out of time today dinter but i think we should talk about that uh, and we can see and i would like to know how you manage your knowledge as well because i think um, today we we read i mean there are five things from this discussion i have made note of yeah and i would like to go back and i would like to double click on that uh, get more more details about it so how do you do uh, whenever you are listening to podcast or reading a book or uh, watching a youtube video you hear about these interesting concepts which you would like to go back to and gather more knowledge so uh, i mean i would prefer to talk about it a, i think this subject um, uh, i think next conversation we should focus on this both of us should spend more time on this 
but I'll uh, I'll give you a quick review of um, of how I am doing it. So uh, I I have a bad memory, and what I have found is that writing down helps. So I I have tried a lot of online things. I in fact uh, you know when you first introduced these tools and these techniques to me, I tried them also. But nothing is more uh, everlasting for me than writing down things, right? So I have a, now a stack of diaries. Um, which actually, uh, and to come to that point, you'll talk about in Zettelkasten when you can go back and look at all the knowledge and connect and how it helps you with connecting. For me, it's still, I, I need that physical um, interface. So the pen in hand, the writing down, uh, the the deliberation it takes. So I'm, I'm not that digital in my thinking. And... Um, and we'll come to that uh, sometime, but uh, the way I write sci-fi also, Sachin, is I first um, read a scientific concept. I try, I write it down, I understand it. Then um, after two, three days, because I read so much of these stuff, I come across something. So my, my magic number is three. When I'm able to create in my mind a connection between three different concepts, um, in case of sci-fi stories, three different scientific concepts. If I feel that there is a connection, okay, let me uh, make that connection in form of a story. And that's how the sci-fi comes, right? So for me, a connection, making this connection is very important, right? The magic number is three. After three, there should be something. But same thing as you do, right? But for me, writing it, the paper, um, uh, uh, stationary, the pen is very critical for uh, me. The keyboard uh, does not work for me. And uh, when I am listening to stuff here, there, here, there, you know, uh, luckily, uh, while my memory is bad, my uh, my um, capacity is low, my lookup is very good. So I'll just make two, three words. And the moment those two, three words work, um, like I can bring back the whole memory. So um, th th that is what uh, I, I do a lot. So I have a lot of these uh, these days. It's you know, yeah. I love this. Uh, they they had a shop in Bangalore, Muji. Uh, they shut it down. I love this brand uh, because they don't have any like my T-shirt, right? They don't have any text on it. I like that brandless uh, concept. Anyway, a digression. But this was great, Sachin. I think we should do this again. And uh, let's see um, where that conversation goes and let's see where this goes. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Dinkar. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah.